Okay, good morning. It's um, Monday, the 26th of December. It's just after 10am in London. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm on the Everything Theatre Review team. Um, joining me to talk this morning is Alex Borovensky, who is talking to me from the pro-English theatre of Ukraine in Kyiv, where it's just after midday. So good afternoon, Alex, and thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon and good morning to London, Dave. And I'm happy to be at Everson uh, Theater. I read in Twitter description theater in London and beyond. And for uh, English theater is definitely beyond in Ukraine. <laughs> happy to talk to you. Yes, uh, we Ukraine is a little bit out of out of our normal coverage area. But um, uh, Alex, you you sent us a, a DM on Twitter about our podcast where you said you were um, you were really interested in having uh, a talk to us about the story of theater from Ukraine these days. And that also there is a there is a more local connection because quite recently you transferred over a production from the Finborough Theatre, which is a, a favorite of many, many of us here in London, which I hope to hope to talk to you about in a few minutes. Um, so I want to start by asking you one question to begin with. Um, I read um, recently, and this is amazing, that this year the pro-English theatre has put on more productions than it has in the years before. And that's while Ukraine has undergone an invasion. How have you done that? Correct. Well, that's the question I keep asking myself. Uh, this year, we put eight productions, uh, two of them before invasion. That was January and mid-February. And then during invasion, we actually managed six. And normally, we would put two or three productions per year. So this year, having eight was like, oh my God, how did I do that? And still... Uh, <laughs> But I guess that's our answer as the artist. I'm not a soldier. I'm not in the trenches. Uh, my friends are. Some of my actors are. I'm not. Uh, so this is my answer. This is uh, my attempt to speak out to the world, to uh, put the voice of Ukrainians in the language that's understandable, because we are the theater in English. We are the only theater in Ukraine that puts productions in English. So with this, we're able to talk to the world and we want to talk more and more and more. That's why I actually was looking for different theatrical podcasts and writing to them in Twitter. And we opened Twitter. We never actually used it before invasion in that extent. Now we did. We want to speak out and I think we do with our productions. And I think it's very important. Ukraine should, you know, should have its voice everywhere. And with theater, now it has it with us. That, that's amazing. And what's even more amazing is when the invasion started, you turned your theater into a bomb shelter. Um, I believe you called it an art shelter. And you were there were people living there alongside um, occasional performances and a number of cats that sometimes Correct. joined some performances as well, I understand. Yes. Yes, actually. Uh, oh, well, it's a long story, but it's briefs of it is that... <laughs> Uh, our first performance that we put in an art shelter in the basement of our theater was Harold Pinter, The New World Order. And uh, by that moment, we couldn't show it to the audience because all of the audience was scattered, either at the blog posts or the bomb shelters and so on. So we decided to record it and put it into YouTube. And during the recording, the black cat entered the stage and became a part of the show. And we liked it so much. So we kept it as a part of the recording. And I think Harold wouldn't mind. Because uh, the cats, you know, are the best actors. So that's the thing. Uh, yeah, we have uh, four rooms, performance area and rehearsals rooms 
240 square meters of the theater. And all of this is a, is a semi-basement or a basement, which qualifies, qualifies it to be a shelter, protection from the bombs. And in the strongest moment of Russian attack, which was the end of February and beginning of March, 40 people lived here. And I don't mean only actors, because yes, pretty much all of our actors and directors, 10 people, uh, were here, eight cats, because their owners fled Kiev and left their pets with us, so we took care of the cats and local people as well. Babushkas, old people, kids, uh, anywhere from the neighborhood who would come around and say, hey, hey, is that the bomb shelter? I said, no, it's a theater, but you can come. <laughs> because, you know, theater is always open to people, but this time we didn't sell tickets. <laughs> and we opened our doors not only for the night premiere, but the overnight and the whole day and so on. That was the story of our shelter. That, that's amazing. But um, thankfully, at the moment, you are far further from the front lines and you, you are at home. You've come into the theatre this morning to talk to me, but you are back living in your own home. Uh, yeah. And that's also the point where my life has changed, uh, not in a war way, but... I used to live at the left bank of Kiev. Kiev is separated by Dnieper River, and the right bank is the place for the art business. Zelensky is there, uh, all the government offices. So right bank is that. I used to live at the left bank, which is the sleeping area, industrial area, and so on. But after the invasion, I never came back there. I came back there just to pick up my stuff, and I found a new apartment. I rented it. And as, as you can understand, these days, it's very easy to rent in Kiev because lots of empty apartments and the prices go down so i rented the apartment in one block from the theater because with the invasion my values have shifted and i understood that this is that i want to do this is the center of my life and activities for English theater so i actually live next to the theater and the reason i come here uh, every day because somehow magically this place for English theater is the place where we have electricity and internet almost uninterrupted which is very rare case for Kiev, as you understand, because uh, because of this constant bombings for infrastructure. I guess sixty percent of Kiev is down. Either internet is down, uh, electricity is down, no water or whatever. Even at my place, which is one block from here, but in theater, magic, we have it. So I come here to talk to you because I'm sure that we will not be interrupted. That's why. Wow. Yesterday, just before we started chatting, you told me that the, one of the first things you did when you came in this morning was you had to do a little bit of cleaning up because you, you put on both a performance and a Christmas party in the theatre yesterday. How did that go? Yeah, well, we decided uh, there was quite a lot of discussions with the team. Should we do it? Because at one point it feels very inappropriate to have any kind of celebration in Ukraine. Uh, well, there is a war going on like I say, and my friends there uh, in the front lines uh, as soldiers, and what do you say to them? Merry Christmas? I mean, it feels strange. But then we said, hell no, uh, Putin and Russians, uh, they're not going to take the Christmas away from us because this is the holiday that's rooted far beyond this war. It was a long time ago, and it will be a long time after this war is over and Ukraine wins. This tradition of every year putting like, I don't know, hugging your neighbors, smiling and say, Jesus Christ was born and everything. This is a tradition that is in the core of European society, is, is part of humanity. So we decided to have it. The only difference is that we at the theater, so we decided to have a little performance called Winter Songs as Poetry. And that's the point when you take a traditional song, not necessarily a Christmas song, but song about winter, 
And you take the lyrics of it and you put it on stage as a comedy sketch, as a scene, as a dramatic monologue or whatnot. And yesterday we were, again, it felt very inappropriate, but we were laughing, laughing like hell because it was very, very funny and uplifting and the guys did a great job. And in the end, of course, they put out Ukrainian flag and we said thank you to the armed forces of Ukraine because because of them, we even able to do this relief performances and so on. And then we had a party. And that's, again, felt very strange because in the middle of a party, we were talking, chatting, and everybody wearing Ukrainian outfit with tridents and stuff. But then in the middle of a party, uh, a foreigner comes because we invited everyone. Again, we're very open. And he's a Spanish journalist. He's a friend of mine. He used to interview us several times. And he just came back from Kramatorsk, from the front lines. And he comes and he, you know, basically he smells of Kramatorsk. You can smell that smoke and everything uh, of the shelling. And uh, I start talking to him. And it took me a while to get back to the Christmas spirit. So it's like this constant roller coaster, in and out, in and out. No matter how you want to forget about the war, you can't. And then you just learn to live with that and incorporate it into your performances, parties, talking to people. That's that's how you do it here. And then one more thing that I come here this morning, not only to clean up, this place, this theater, is the only one that has a good coffee machine. <laughs> so I use every opportunity. Thank you very much for arranging this in the morning because I actually love coffee, so I came here to have it. <laughs> that's amazing. So you had, um, you had performers. Uh, tell me a little bit about your actors. How many people are are involved in the theater? How many people were, were putting on a performance yesterday? Uh, well, it has changed since the beginning of Invasion because we used to have like 15 uh, in our team, uh, in our ensemble. And then, now some of them are abroad. Some of them are in the west of Ukraine. Some of them are soldiers in the front lines. Some of them are with us. So out of people who are like in the theater team, we have probably six actors. Three directors. Now we have, you know, pretty much sometimes more directors than actors. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, we started to uh, invite a lot of one-timers, people who would come and perform one time, and a lot of actors here in Ukraine without job. And as long as we find a person who can, is a professional actor and can perform in English, which is not such a common thing for Ukrainians, uh, we get them in. And yesterday we had eight people, eight people performing, and it's gigs. It's it's a small thing. So we gave chance to everyone. We didn't say, aha, what's your biography? Did you perform in a national theater? Come for winter songs as poetry. No. Everybody who wanted to do it could. And it was very uplifting. Uh, we actually performed Driving Home for Christmas uh, lyrics. And it was a story of a maniac driver who takes the girl away. <laughs> it was very funny and very inappropriate in a good way. So I love these things. And we did The Sound of Silence of Simon and Garfunkel as the sound of sirens, uh, as a reference to what's happening in Ukraine. And that was not so funny. But in general, I enjoyed the show a lot. And thankfully, they didn't let me perform because <laughs> I'm a director for already 10 years. And I know what's happening when I come on stage. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. I know you're you're a director as well as the director of the, the Pro-English Theatre. Did, you didn't feel like you wanted to tread the boards not really. Well, I love the poetry. That's one of the things that I'm still with. And if you go into our YouTube channel, English Theatre, you'll see a lot of my uh, myself performing the poetries. Uh, I still like it, but not on stage. I think uh, being a director, you know, you start controlling and creating too many things. And especially if there is a director above you, you have a lot of arguments. And uh, I didn't want it. Why? 
why? And I, plus, I have mm, two new shows coming, and I'm very busy. So I like to enjoy as the audience and not going on stage. Tell me a little bit about your local theatre community. Have they embraced what you're doing at the moment? Do you have regular people who come to all your performances, both before the invasion and now during the invasion? Uh, we do. Uh, in fact, we do. I When we started with Springbush Theatre, I thought that we would get the audience just like that. You know, English language, everybody who's interested in English would come, and theatre, so everybody who's interested in theatre would come. No, it didn't work out this way. We actually managed to work with the small segment of theatre lovers who do speak English, which pretty much makes us into the audience of a fringe, for example. So sure. when we get like 20, 40 people, 60 people is already a lot for us. So small black box, black box performances is our thing. And I'm pretty happy about it mm -hmm. because we do speak to the audience after each performance. We have this round tables, discussions, and it's so much easier and so much face to face when you have like 20 people to talk to, not like 100. So I'm. We have just lost Alex. Ah, welcome back. Thank you. And as long as just said that there were no interruptions of electricity and internet, there was. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes I think that Russians are listening and it's suddenly like, aha, Alex is going to talk today to Everson Theater. <laughs> we'll have to cut them down because he's going to spread some secrets around. What? <laughs> Strategic talk now. <laughs> Um, okay, where well, you were, you were telling us that you were building up a, a you were talking about fringe theater and how you like a black box, which is what, yeah. what everything theater we're, we're all about that we we love the little, the fringe theater, yeah, the 20 seats, the 40 seats, the 60 seats, all of that. Um, so you, you're the only theater in Kiev that, that performed that in English. Uh, yeah, we are the only theater, well, professional theater that sure. uh, owns productions in English because there were several uh, attempts at create performances in English, sometimes in university students, sometimes the school uh, guys, sometimes the experts put together and we even had key players system, like every big city would have it. But yeah, we've been doing it since 2018 and we already put together like 16 productions and so on. Uh, we do love the Fringe uh, idea and with the invasion, we managed to go to Prague Fringe in uh, October of this year, and we attended it with our performance, The Book of Sirens, performed it four times there. And I absolutely love this idea because we did it in the Museum of Alchemists, actual museum, with the starry sky and everything, and it's the feeling is surreal. And partly because of that, and we always wanted to create and bring this uh, culture of small theater venues all around town, uh, next year we're creating Ukraine Fringe. First ever Ukraine Fringe, and we we are inviting all of theater makers to actually come to Kiev in person. And it's going to be around the Independence Day of Ukraine, 24th of August, uh, seven days. And we do hope that by the time Ukraine, we know that by the time Ukraine will win, and um, Kiev will be open for new opportunities, rebuilding, and for art as well. So having Ukraine Fringe not only love, to the theater and small productions, but it also has this strategic. That's why Russian stars. Because <laughs> I'm talking about Ukraine fringe. <laughs> Stay yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have it, and plus it's already supported by Prague Fringe and its founder Steve Gov. So we're hoping to put together a big international event that would bring foreigners to Ukraine and Kiev. Which is a, a perfect lead-in for um, Amara. It was about two weeks ago. You had yes. the 
first foreign transfer of a, of a production in Ukraine since the beginning of the invasion. So in August of this year, the Finber Theatre in London performed uh, 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 two plays that they called two Ukrainian plays. And you transferred the second of them, which is called Pussycat in Memory of Darkness, performed it in your own theatre and in one other and in a different theatre in Kiev. Is that right? Correct. That was second performance was in the National Center of Les Purvas, like one of the biggest venues in the center of Kiev. But the first one was in our place. And bringing Pussycat uh, in the memory of darkness to Kiev, I still feel, whew, I feel very proud. You know, there's been, uh, it feels like U2 has performed at Khrushchev metro station in front of Zelensky. Because on theatrical scale, it's the same. It's, if not biggest. It's the first time since the invasion that the British theatre comes to Ukraine to perform and we producing and organising the visit. And I feel it's a tremendous uh, gesture from all British theatres, not only from the actress Christine and Neil McPherson, the director of Finborough, but from all British theatre that we're not afraid, we stand with you, we share the same values. And bringing the performance that's Pussycat in the Memory of Darkness is actually a Ukrainian play. It was written by one of the tremendous Ukrainian playwrights, Neda Nezhdana, translated in many languages, staged in many countries. And uh, I guess, Dave, you've seen it. You've seen it in person. What do you think yourself? I have seen it. I really enjoyed it. I thought um, Kirsten Millward was, Millward, excuse me, was was fantastic. She was absolutely brilliant. And then to, to, to sort of see it and to find out a short time later that she's traveled to Kiev to put this performance on with you to bring uh sort of i guess a british production of a ukrainian play to ukraine in the middle of an invasion is is quite a statement and quite a show of of bravery and solidarity with i think the people those especially the theater makers of ukraine exactly and you should know <laughs> the story of original visit we've been talking well we've been collaborating with new macpherson and finborough for quite some time we put together poetry projects. We discussed what we can do. Uh, Neil is a part of a West World of English Speaking Theatres Association and so on. So they say, in October, we want to bring Pussycat in the Memory of Darkness to Ukraine. I'm like, yay, let's do this. Solidarity and everything. And Christine, we're talking to her, to the actress, and everybody's come. But then, uh, two days before they actually were supposing, uh, supposed to come, and we already started selling tickets and everything, uh, there's been this first big attack of kamikaze drone on Kiev. And they started hitting infrastructure and say, so the guys then say, we're not coming. It's too dangerous. We're not coming. I'm like, are you sure? Uh, yeah. But then they say, we're not coming. I'm like very frustrated and sad and everything, but I understand. I really understand. And then Christine and Neil say, but we want to come in December. And I say, guys, you understand that in December, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get easier. We're not going to have electricity. This attack is going to go on. But like now I think that British people are a very stoic nation. The more hardships come, uh, the more obstacles, the stronger they want to do it. That's probably what made Britain so great in the past. And that's what keeps uh, keeping Britain on the level of one of the strongest and best countries, the stoicism. So they do come in uh, uh, December. They perform around the 10th of December twice. And for these four days that they were here, no air alarm in Kiev, no at all. I even feel a little frustrated because I wanted Christine to have this experience, <laughs> what it feels like. Uh, no, honestly, it's important. So, uh, but no, none. And then she leaves, and next day there is big attack on Kiev. Ah, missed it. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, uh, we uh, gave Christine uh, this opportunity to perform in two different venues. 
first of all, she did it in our small black box of English theater, which used to host people. She actually performed where people slept uh, during yep. this March Emerson. So it's a strong, uh, this place still has this energy of hosting people and sheltering and having her there had a tremendous impact on the audience. We managed to put on the 30 people, but she basically pinned them to the wall with the energy. It was so close and so strong. I actually felt like, you know, it's a Shakespearean style of production and delivery with Ukrainian material, which was very strong, which had very strong impact on us. We never had such uh, acting in Ukraine. So we had it. Second time, we took her to the National Center of Les Kurbas, which also a big gesture because Les Kurbas is the guy who actually reorganized the whole system of Ukrainian theaters in 1930s. And then he was shot by Russians. He was actually deported to the camps uh, somewhere there in the north and then shot. So his name is also a big symbol of Ukrainian art being oppressed and standing. And Christine performed there, much bigger space, big lights and everything, but it's also a big message. And yeah, I'm so happy about her visit. And I would be happy to have Christine back at Ukraine Fringe next year. Uh, Finber approached you to bring the the transfer over. Sort of, uh, whose idea was it originally, or was it just did it spring organically from conversations you were having with Neil? Well, I guess it was mostly Neil's and Christine's idea uh, okay. because we were discussing what can be done together, what kind of projects, and then Neil says, "Hey, hey, we have this performance, and Christine really wants to come," and that's how it started. And we had quite a lot of conversation. How should she even come? Because there are no planes right now, so mm -hmm. she should travel to Poland, then from Poland train and train again. And I was meeting them at the train station, and train was late for one hour, which is really unusual for Ukraine these days, because no matter what, everything goes on time. So, But this train was late and everything. Uh, yeah, then Christine comes, and it's like four strong days of my life. Christine performs two days. Then in the middle of it, there is one day off for her to chill out and sort of see Kiev, but we thought, no, that's too little. So we actually, uh, Christine, and we had this idea and she put the crew together and she traveled to Bucha, Irpin, and Borodyanka. This is the small towns around Kiev area that was the most destroyed by Russians. It was the occupation, people tortured and shot. These places are the actual place of horror, what Russian army uh, could do. And we wanted Christine to see it. And she went there and she spent whole Friday there. So uh, it's not only something she brought to us. It's something that she brings back. This impressions, personal impressions, I believe is the strongest. Because no matter how much you read in the newspapers, to see it once, you know, it's the message. How did your, your uh, not just your audience, the, the people of Kiev that came to the performance, um, both were performed in English. It must be slightly odd to have seen a, a Ukrainian play in English being performed in English in, in Kyiv. Exactly. Uh, well, Neda was there. The playwright was there. Oh, amazing. Yes, and she wrote this thing. And uh, I, as a director, I usually don't watch the show so much. I watch the audience's reactions. So I was sitting there and I was glancing at Neda and sometimes I see in her eyes like, hmm? <laughs> like sort of, I didn't write this way. Well, you did, but it's translated <laughs> into English. So, <laughs> uh, audience was stunned. Uh, we actually did quite a lot of work. We invited a lot of theater critics on our side, experts. Uh, we invited the Ministry of Culture and so on. And we had quite a lot of like, top people seeing it. 
they really, really like the show. They said that it's one of the strongest deliveries. And this show was shown in Ukraine different ways. It was, uh, I've seen three different productions of Pussycat. This one so far is the strongest. And it's not even done in the language it was written. So I really like this detachment because of the language and because of Christine. You really can take a look at these events uh, that are described in a show from a perspective. And that's probably what we need right now, because there's been a lot of plays written these days by Ukrainian playwrights about the invasion and what's going on. And it's very hard and painful to even, you know, read it, not to see it on stage. With the CHI, you really have no protection. It gets you under your guts. It gets you right there. So you have to be really careful showing these things to Ukrainians. And Christine managed. You see the tragedy of universal Greek tragedy with this performance, Shakespearean tragedy with this performance, but you can live with that. While I've been to some stage readings recently, we actually organized some, and simple girl reading a story from a chair about Bucha, and you cannot listen to it. It's just too right now, too much to the face, uh, too urgent. So I really look for these performances that are able to speak to us professionally, beautifully, but also they kind of save us as the audience. Because like I say, you got to be very careful talking to Ukrainians these days uh, because we have no protection. All of this uh, psychological things are away. You never know what makes a Ukrainian cry or scream right now. Like, yeah. careful is the way, I guess. <laughs> so tell me a little about your, your theater plans. You mentioned you have a couple of productions uh, coming up in 2023 um normally when we talk to people on a podcast we would ask them what what they've got coming up next and you're in a in a very different situation but the question does seem just as valid because you are planning shows you are presumably arranging actors rehearsals staging all of the same thing that any theater any small fringe theater anywhere in the world is doing you just happen to be doing it in a war zone uh correct uh <laughs> Well, uh, one of the biggest things that we want to do, and we keep doing that, is uh, to uh, take abroad uh, the performances that we already create. We created six of them uh, uh, during the invasion time, and we already traveled to Prague, Poland, oh my God, Spain, Germany, and now we want to go further. This shows are already ready. Like we have Pinter, we have the Book of Sirens, we have uh, Women Violence. Uh, we have our responsibility shows. We want to continue with them because they bring the strong message and they still have this detachment I'm talking about. They don't get it to your face. Oh, it's about war. No, they bring different messages and stories of people and everything, but they are created during war times. So that's probably the message, how you can approach the topic without, you know, screaming, oh, we've been bombed. No, that's a normal performances that you can enjoy them from many perspectives. So to take them abroad is one of the points. And we approach in lots of festivals, lots of, uh, you know, sponsors and everything uh, to travel. That's one of the things. I'm putting uh, two, perform two new performances. <laughs> I want to get my personal record. Ten. Ten <laughs> in the actual theatrical season. <laughs> so I'm putting two new performances in Ukraine. Because these things, they have to understand. I mean, for English theater these days is basically not to entertain or even give relief to key audiences. No, we take it as the training spot to take performances abroad because we have this opportunity. Shows are in English, lots of contacts, and bring this word out abroad is what's the most important for us. 
But again, I feel like we're depriving key audiences of what can be done. And that's why I have a contract with one of the state theaters, uh, theater at Solo, Solominka, one of the regions in Kiev. And we put in a performance in Ukrainian there. I, I as a director, is about four teenagers sitting in a stadium at Bucha, drinking uh, Red Bull and chatting about life and a little playing football and whatever. Uh, and then it's just the day before the invasion. So it's like, you know, this day before the war, and it's very peaceful with lots of telegram conversations and messenger chats, which I somehow have to put on stage. But it's like this, uh, something's in the air. Uh, and I want to speak about this, about this thing, because I believe that right now, probably the whole Europe feels it. Something is in the air, and it's still peaceful in well, all of the countries, despite the prices and everything. But the peace is there. But this war i don't think that anybody can forget about it so the shadow of uh, sauron <laughs> of dark forces is in the air so i want to speak about it what do we do about it can we still you know drink red bull and play football and be as cheerful as we are and if we do how we manage what's happening to our psyche so that's the show and the second one i'm gonna restore one of my favorite shows uh called stusanina and it's in ukrainian as well and it's about the story of Ukrainian poet Vasil Stus, one of the biggest of Shevchenko. And he was in the 60s and he wrote great, great poetries. And then, of course, uh, Russian government took him to prison. And somehow, magically, he dies there under undisclosed circumstances. But he's a great poet. So we put this show with eight men on, on stage. And it's a many, very masculine show. And they do the poetries of Stus, not his story, but the poetries of Stus under Rammstein soundtrack. And it's a very strong, very upbeat performance, brings a lot of energy. And I believe that's what the audience would need to have, the energy. Because 10 months, man, too much. 10 months of war. So we need something that gets us like that. And with Tucson and our world. Wow, that sounds absolutely amazing to, I mean, to plan all of this at the best of times, never mind at the, at the worst of times. For, for you and for everybody there. So a busy 20 plays, 10 plays in 2023. Okay. We'll do it. We'll, we'll do, do it for it. sure. <laughs> Which I Will you be streaming any more of these? Do you plan to? Well, actually, most of the shows that I mentioned, you can see because uh, we very, uh, well, it's important for us that people see it. So we have an agreement with SceneSaver. I don't know if you know about the company, SceneSaver Co. UK. It's a British company. Basically, it's a website that puts uh, different productions on a website free to watch. You can watch it as long as you subscribe to SceneSaver and you don't have to pay. It's not Netflix. You can donate if you feel like after watching and all the money go to the artist directly, which we did. And we put, I guess, four performances. The Book of Sirens is available there. Uh, many shows are available there. You just go to SceneSaver and then you put Kringler Theater. Here you go. You can see me not performing, but talking before the show like I do now. Fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. And we'll probably will have an agreement with Digital Theater of US and the, our performances will also be there. We also have Dramox, that's a Czech a streaming service. So uh, previous productions are there. The new productions will be there as well. Not as streaming, though, because we care about the quality. You know, this COVID times and everything is streamed and everything is shaky cameras. We usually film it with three cameras added it afterwards with good quality sound because we do want the audiences to enjoy it. Not only message from Ukraine in it, that quality. No, sure. We want to enjoy it because of the stuff. So. 
Brilliant. Well, we're we're about to run out of time. So thank you so much. Thank you for coming into the theatre and for taking the time to talk to us. Um, we will we will publish the podcast shortly. I will include the links uh, and the details of, of everything you've just talked about. And um, yeah, maybe maybe we can chat again sometime around the Fringe Festival when you have um, when you've got more more shows. We can catch up. We can hopefully be in a much better situation and who knows there might be 